Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shot my Keiko. And today we are joined by an extra special guest, Jen. Jen, did you want to say hi and introduce yourself? Oh my goodness, I'm an extra special guest, even after <laughs> <laughs> causing weird admin issues with my schedule <laughs> and ability to record events in my calendar. But it's so, so great to be on. Uh, so happy to join you guys on this episode. We're very excited to have you here. For anyone who doesn't know Jen, we are going to do the thing we always do for our guests, which is to ask them some introductory questions so that everyone can kind of get an idea of who they are and what they're into. So Jen, number one question, how long have you been a fan of Supernatural? What a question. Yeah, it's a doozy. (laughs) Also, hi. So (laughs) I go by Jen. A lot of people might know me by my username, Rupert Gaze. It wasn't always that, but we did a rebrand. So I was a fan back in the Tumblr heyday of around like 2012 for a few years. I saw several seasons uh, and then I saw season eight live, hated season nine, kind of quit at that point, went into a new fandom. I would usually cycle through fandoms every couple of years and then came back during like the supernatural renaissance of November 2020. (laughs) Certain episodes came out, fandoms interacted a certain way or fans rather. um, And I thought... It would be so funny to rewrite the ending to make it better, and I'm still here, and it's 2023. (laughs) And we love that energy for you. (laughs) In all of that time, did you have, or do you currently have, a favorite character? Yeah, I mean, so Castiel's my favorite, which is also, like, my insane take is that Supernatural would have been better if it ended at season three, just for, like, a bunch of geeks two years later have said like, oh, this was like Firefly. It was canceled before its time. It had so much <laughs> potential. But obviously we like saw the 15 seasons of potential. So that's like my weird, like disorganized take that makes it's no like, sense. It's like live long enough and you see yourself become the villain. Yeah. <laughs> like you need the dying Yes, hero. exactly. I'm trying to think probably, you know what? This is probably because of my supernatural rewrite, but um, I've been thinking a lot about... Jess, even though she's only been around for such, you know, for the pilot and everything. I don't know. It's just just interesting to think about like fridged women and another fridged woman who I love um, ended up being Pamela from season four. Just so fun. I love any female character that could give like Dean or Sam kind of a run for their money in terms of being like a little promiscuous, super fun, super slay. We love her. Did you have a favorite episode? Yeah, I mean, that's hard because whenever I think of my favorite episode, I feel like a film critic. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, I don't know if this is genuinely my favorite. Like, The Man Who Would Be King, which comes yeah. a little later, that was one of the rare episodes that the fandom loves. And then when I sat down and watched it, I was like, actually, I agree. This is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I am dying to get to that episode. It is one of my all-time favorites. I talk about it too much. <laughs> I uh, know, bro. I do have some hot takes, though. You do? I'm so scared. You, you can never rely on me to like an episode just because the rest of the fandom likes it. Look, that's true. Uh-huh. That's that's me with the end. Oh, really? Uh, which I think was the episode before that, before this one. Yeah, and I'm, like, the episode we did last week. Unpressed. <laughs> but yeah, I, I also really liked Mystery Spot. I think that that one encapsulates so many great things about Supernatural. But then also as like a Dean cast shipper, it was probably Goodbye Stranger because I saw that live and I think it rewrote Changed your brain chemistry. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I referenced it in like every fic. I cannot leave it alone, but I refuse to go back and watch it because it just needs to live in my high schooler brain forever, just as it was that one time. And that's all I need. (laughs) 
that episode also rewired my entire brain chemistry. So I fully understand <laughs> where you're it coming from. It was a from. lot. It was it's so a lot. much. Okay, cool. So our next question is, what does Supernatural mean to you? Or what inspired you to guest on so many podcasts about it? <laughs> or to a rewrite, I guess, any of the three? Yeah, I mean, I, like, low-key, I'm like, oh, I'm a hater. And I dunk on Supernatural. And there's a running joke with my friends that despite all of this content I created for Supernatural, I haven't watched nearly even close to the entire series. It's um, very Jamie-coded of you. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, Jamie. I am just like, I'm so like vindicated right now. I'm like, yes, a fellow yes. friend and non-supernatural completion. Also creating arguably too many hours worth of content. <laughs> exactly. It's so many hours. This rewrite's not even done. And it's over half a million words. And it's like, does that mean you're going to watch the entire series? Absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck that. But <laughs> for all that I dunk on Supernatural, I do think it's a very special fandom. It's just absolutely gargantuan. It's spanned so much of fandom history. Fans of Supernatural, for better or for worse, created AO3, which we know and love so much. And it's really fun to come back to it now that TikTok is so popular and I'm on like Supernatural fandom TikTok and it's just so different than how it was like back in 2012. We've had a bit of a cultural shift. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So yeah. There's a lot to love about Supernatural for all its flaws. <laughs> <laughs> and so last but not least, is there anywhere that you would like for people to come and find you if they wanted to see more of your content? Probably where could they find a link to your rewrite? Uh, we could pop it in our show notes if you like. Yeah, so I'm the same username on TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, and AO3. So it's Rupert Gaze for the entire thing. The rewrite series is called, is called Heard From Your Mother, She Don't Recognize You, which is a bleachers lyric. I think I probably had a more creative title, but by then it was too late. And I'm working on like the third and like last part of that. And so hopefully it's sometime this year that will be out and I have some other stuff out as well. Cool. Yeah. And we will put links to everything in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in finding Jen, we've got it all listed below. Okay, and so without further ado, I think we should get into the main chunk of the episode. So today we are discussing Season 5, Episode 5, titled Fallen Idols. Jamie, Jen, what did you think? I'm going to start talking about the lighting. Now, Jen, you I, haven't really interacted with me a lot. I talk about the lighting ad nauseum, like especially <laughs> the first couple of seasons. I hated the lighting. It's her personality. With a, like. Literally, the first thing I ever contributed to this fandom was, oh, that's Jamie, the girl who hates the lighting. Like, <laughs> I did listen to like a few episodes and I feel like I caught in the description as well. Just like this is an another episode where Jamie complains about the lighting. <laughs> and again, pulling back first three seasons have my entire heart. And part of the reason is because I actually love how it's shot. I love the lighting. I would love to hear you make your case because I am so <laughs> ambivalent about this, but JP's really passionate. Yeah. So if you have some like arguments for why you love the lighting, go nuts, please. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that like every Supernatural episode ever, even in the early seasons, are like a masterpiece from like a director's standpoint. Like anytime Kim Manners is directing an episode, you're like, ooh, this looks so good. You know, there's some that are shot really well. The first three seasons to me were very gloomy, very dark, and I loved like the grainy filter. I loved like the weird tone it all had, like it had a weird Instagram filter on it, and then they slapped a grain on it, and then they brought the brightness way down. 
to your point, I feel like I'm also desensitized because so many modern, like, serious shows are, like, black. Just a black yeah. fucking yeah. screen. Game of Thrones. <laughs> and it also feels like every time you, you watch a lot of modern TVs or, like, modern film, the entire plot hinges on, like, a whispered conversation in the first two minutes of the film in a dark room. So I, like, have no fucking clue. I need the subtitles on. I need the brightness up. So I do get it. But, like, the first three seasons of Supernatural were very near and dear to my heart because, you know, we didn't have angels. We had very limited interactions with demons. So, you know, in, like, that episode Faith, for example, you just get the idea that, like, either God's not around or if he is, he absolutely doesn't care about Sam, Dean, or anyone else. Or even worse, is just willfully creating this um, malicious world that they're living in. And I don't know, I just find that like very interesting and that gloomy bad lighting just feeds into it for me. Yeah, I will say that like the first three seasons definitely have like a vibe and the lighting is definitely part of that vibe. My issue is I I don't like the vibe and B, I like to be able to actually see the television that I'm watching. And so like even in modern shows and that when they use like darkness to portray the vibe or whatever, I'm still like, don't get me wrong, I don't think everything needs to be brightly lit, but like... It would be nice to see it. And the reason I bring up the lighting specifically for this episode is because the, the first scene's lighting sh- took me straight back to season one. This I was like, whole episode. I was like, this is the darkest this show has been in like a season and a half. Like, why, why are we so dark again? And don't get me wrong, I think they actually used it pretty effectively in this episode. But I was also like, wait, is this what it was like watching like season one? <laughs> it's so slowly changed. Across the first yeah. four seasons, you get to this point and you're like, wait a minute, I recognize this technique. And actually, that was another reason why I love the mystery spot, because it starts off so bright and then it gets duller and more and more desaturated as Dean keeps dying. And I was like, and I think that was actually an episode directed by Kim Manners. And I was like, oh my God, Kim, you genius. <laughs> <laughs> what about like the Wax Museum segment, though, of the episode? I feel like that was a little more colorful just because it's a little silly, you know, so that I don't know if that was kind of fun. Do you know what's really funny is like, I agree because I think there's a lot more color, but I do think in terms of like how bright the set was, like the brightness was the same when they said it was 4.30 in the afternoon as when they were literally breaking it in the middle of the night. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) When they walk into that room to take on literal Paris Hilton and Sam turns off his torch as if that room is literally any brighter than the rest of the building that they have needed the torch for. So like... There's a lot of colour, and I think that the colour is really fun, but I also think the actual level of brightness is is so consistent, regardless of what time they're saying it is or where they are. I just think it's funny. Yeah, it's so inconsistent. I feel like I was listening to another Supernatural podcast that pointed that out, and for some reason it just never entered my mind. And then ever since that was said, anytime I've like watched a Supernatural episode, I'm like, they said it was nighttime, but then, then like, the very next scene is day, but it's not, like, the next day. It's just, like, a continuate. It does create some really fun and notable fan fiction gaps that we will talk about when we get to them. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a note. The real reason the episode is so dark is because the CW couldn't afford to light the set after they paid Paris Hilton to show up for this episode of Supernatural. So, <laughs> so can we talk about how iconic it is of Paris Hilton to appear in the CW Supernatural? Like, yes, so iconic. I love that they would have had to approach her. And she said yes. She said, <laughs> and this was like, when was this? 2009? Like, this was peak Paris Hilton fame. Like, <laughs> at the time, it was believable that she had literal fangirls who worshipped her. Like, 
enough that obviously the dude was making like a wax sculpture of her. I feel like Paris Hilton gets a lot of like flack for like a lot of things. And I think certainly some of that she does deserve. Some of her choices have been a bit questionable and maybe not the best influence on young fans. But I also think a lot of it is rooted in like this sort of misogyny of like, well, a woman's not about, allowed to be like rich and successful and this sort of stuff. So she must also be like a dumb bimbo and all of this sort of shit. So I think it's just very, very sort of self-aware. And it does show like even in 2009, just how actually smart Paris Hilton was, despite the fact that for many, many years, she's been portrayed as like, oh, well, she's super duper dumb because she had a reality show. It's like, but you also mm-hmm. can't to how many fucking millions that reality show fucking made her like. Yeah, like she was an heir, like she is an heiress. But that was interesting too, how she grew her wealth. And I recently yeah. learned she was she was one of the more famous examples of someone from like the troubled teen industry. You know, like the people who get shipped off to those wilderness camps and they're horribly abused. And I don't know if she was necessarily in that exact same camp. But I think in addition to having had always been famous, she had a lot of additional shit put on top of her. And all I could think of while watching this was like 2009, I feel like some people would have been like, oh my god, like Paris Hilton in like a more derisive way. But like I was watching it, and I'm like, oh my god, camp. So camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I adore, like I think they maybe overdid it, but the whole thing where she was sharpening her nails on like the scythe or whatever. Yeah. Fucking peak. Incredible. Love that for her. Love that mm-hmm. energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, I just love the costuming choices for her. That dress is peak 2009 and I love it. Like <laughs> nostalgia buttons. The bedazzled the headband. Yeah. Incredible yes. choice. Inspired. Yeah. <laughs> like the side bangs that she had, yeah. like perfectly flat ironed. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about Paris Hilton on the Supernatural podcast, I have a couple of very quick notes that I wanted to make. First of all, when Sam and Dean are talking to the two of her fans that survived the attack and they're at the police station, their whole thing is like, she looked really good, like so skinny. And I just want to take a moment to be like, let's not bring that energy into 2023. Let's let's leave that in 2009. Yeah, I mean, they're trying with like the low rise jeans and everything, but I'd like to think that we know better, hopefully, like fingers crossed. Mm, aged like milk. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is... The line where she says to Dean that John was his hero. And I just want to get the thoughts on that from the room because I'm interested. <laughs> the thing about Supernatural, the thing, that gets, <laughs> the thing that gets me is there's so much good and bad sometimes simultaneously happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think I was just listening to your Jump the Shark, Shark episode because I'm like, oh, KJ's in that. I'm going to listen. And that had a lot of, like, you guys talking about John and everything. And we can talk about this later, but also Sam and Dean's dynamic. One of the things that I get sick to death of in Supernatural is, like, just, like, the characterization and one of the things being, like, how Dean thinks about John. Because I feel like depending on the era, depending on the writer, it's either John was a selfish bastard um, we even had that whole moment in season three, like way back in I season know. three, right? My literal note is like, does no one remember the 310 monologue? Like, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This feels like it's sort of very much like after school special vibes, though. Of just like poor characterization. Yeah. Like specifically that, the rest of the episode, I think is fine. But just like that, I was like... I mean, I guess if you had to pick one thing that occupies a lot of Dean's time or a lot of Dean's thought, even in this moment in early season five if it was just one person then it could potentially be john but i just feel like it's 
incorrect to say that that would be this idol that he looks up to and wants the approval of, especially just, yeah, after we've seen stuff with season three and and it's just something that they continue to do in this, like, throughout the series, I think. It's really interesting. Like, this episode was wild for me. Because, like, I haven't gone back and done a full rewatch of Supernatural literally ever. Like, I binged it the first time and I've gone back to, like, individual episodes. But there are some episodes where I'm watching it for the first time since I binged it when I was, like, 14. This is one of those episodes. And I was watching it going, this is fucking wild. Like... They make some really interesting points and then they make some that I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, even mm-hmm. in that quote, it starts off with, you know, your dad is your hero or whatever. And I'm like, mm, LMAO, okay. But then, like, she ends that same fucking line with all you ever wanted was to be loved by your idol. And I'm like, okay, well, that, like, yeah. that, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that is correct. Like, all Dean ever wanted was to be loved by his father and like if you're gonna say that like John is the idol then like yeah that makes sense but I feel like this episode feels like it's straight out of season one that I honestly like that's the vibe the John stuff the lighting stuff even the Dean as being like this suave like ladies man like presentation like when he's at the bar yeah oh also just very quickly on that Sam over here is like, are you at a bar? And Dean's like, no. The lady's like, here's your beer. And then it's like, oh, he's obviously at a bar. I'm like, my dude, you can get beer in a restaurant. Like, Dean literally was like, yeah. I'm in a restaurant. And then they were like, well, you're having beer, so you clearly can't be. Like, that's it. All I beer is banned at restaurants. No. I'm like, oh, actually, though, it depends. Some American restaurants, you can't get any alcohol. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. They're more, like, marketed towards, like, kids or, like, a family restaurant, but it's quite possible that in certain small towns, maybe, you could end up... And actually, there are, like, dry counties in the U.S. where I don't know if it's, like, totally no alcohol, but it might just be, like, you can only get this beer that has a very low alcohol content, but you can't get wine, you can't get liquor. Children can order lemon, lime, and bitters here. It's fucking (laughs) wild. I'm not... I'm on the East Coast, but we have our own rules about, like, you know, you can't sell, like wine in a grocery store we have weird shit like that we don't sell wine in grocery stores we, no. you can you we can have really separate you, you go to the bottle alone if you want to get alcohol okay you know what that that must be like the uk and stuff they're like nah, <laughs> you can get this shit anywhere so like to be fair they could potentially be in a place like that but i doubt it i think it's just it was like a joke like ah, dean's always drinking actually and he is this episode too like yeah. almost every scene where they're not actively working he is drinking he has either beer or like something like either a can or a pint or whatever what i find hilarious though is he justifies it as like oh i needed a beer after almost getting crushed by that car <laughs> a it's not even the right car b getting crushed by a car is how they say john dies in 419 yeah <laughs> it's all connected connected the dot. <laughs> But that's actually really interesting. In an episode where they're talking about how John's apparently Dean's hero, mm-hmm. that he is then concerned about dying in the way that he faked that John died. And do you know what else is really interesting about that? Is that Dean is wearing John's jacket in the final scene of the episode. Like, when they're, like, leaving the motel, he's fully... And we don't see him in John's jacket that regularly anymore. Like, that was another thing that threw me. I was like, he looks like season one Dean. Also, he let yeah. Sam d- drive. That's like season one as well. Yeah, like yeah. Sam doesn't fucking drive. Sam hasn't driven <laughs> that car since Dean was dead. Yep. Yeah, actually, I don't think we have seen him drive it since season three. 
I love his excuse was like, I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, sweetie. All right. <laughs> He's just trying to make Sam feel better. <laughs> We're kind of roundabout just like talking about Dean's characterization in general. And there was like a weird thing that stood out to me about his costuming in this episode. Well, not him specifically, but like a difference between him and Sam, which was right before he goes under the car to like get the number off the engine. They take off their suit jackets, which is wild because they're basically naked at this point. We never see them without <laughs> at least three layers unless it means something. Yeah, we saw their forearms. They rolled up their sleeves. This is actually my exact point. They rolled up their sleeves. And, like, Dean's cuffs are fucking meticulous. And Sam's are, like, shoddy as hell. And I don't know why that stood out to me so aggressively. But, like, Sam's are, like, shoved up his arms. And Dean's are, like, folded so perfectly. Like, they are the exact same size on both arms. Like, they're crisp edges. And Sam's are just, like, he doesn't give a single shit. And it was just such an interesting difference. (laughs) You know, that is so, and I think some of this might speak more to, like, viewers who have seen later seasons, such as season eight. And I feel like in some situations, right, you think, like, oh, Dean's, like, the messy one, or he's lazy, or he drinks a lot, or he's kind of skeevy, and, like, whatever. But then there's other times where it's, like, no, that's not, like, well, maybe for some writers, that's his personality. But, like, (laughs) other times that we see him, like, early on, there are times where it's, like, no, he's, like, he's the one who's up first sometimes before Sam. Or he's, like, really particular about keeping the car Mm -hmm. clean, of course, right? Like, as we saw with the end, that was a big thing for the car to be abandoned. That means, like, there's something wrong with Dean. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Like, I would think that Sam would be more meticulous about rolling up his sleeves, but I feel like there are so many instances in the show where you kind of expect them to be, you know, certain ways, and then they end up kind of subverting that in their own characterization. Yeah, and Dean, in particular, like, with this, with, like, being neat and meticulous, I mean, we see it in It's a Terrible Life. Like, it's explicitly laid out there, but also... We have episodes, like you said, like later seasons in season eight and beyond. But also even this episode, Sam mentions, oh, like it was in their stomachs. And Dean immediately is like, ah, I don't want to touch that. And like, I hope you wash your hands. And like, I get that it's a joke, but this is like another thing that like is really common for Dean throughout the seasons where he's like, it must be clean. Mm -hmm. You know, like everything has to be clean. He's like, we've got to sanitize. It's funny because yeah, like they give this sort of overall impression of like, oh yeah, you know, he wouldn't give a shit like mess or whatever but it's actually like if you look at the details that you've built into this show i'd like, be interesting to see if anyone's ever written like a um dean has ocd au oh yeah oh because, yeah because like oh. <laughs> and if you think about it this world is like ripe for it because superstitions like ocd is sort of like predicated on the like if i do not do this thing something bad will happen people don't necessarily know like what the bad thing is they just know that like their compulsion says you know, if I don't triple check that the door is locked, then something bad will happen. And so, like, if you take a disorder like OCD and you actually apply it to a character who knows that there are supernatural things out there. Yeah, you and, add it to PTSD. And you add it to PTSD and you add it to just the knowledge of the reality that, like, monsters are real. Like, you know, if you don't have salt in that sort of If you know that all of these superstitions are actually predicated on accurate belief, And then you add into that the compulsive side effect. And then you also add into like the, you know, everything must be clean and orderly and tidy side of it. You could theoretically headcanon Dean as having OCD. I think so. Like, I I think think you've got enough evidence here that you could be like, ah, yeah. Yeah. 
And actually on that note of like, you know, triple checking the locks and stuff, we can come back and talk about that in early season six. Yeah. Or even his jewelry. Cause I forget when he kind of loses a lot of the rings and bracelets, but I was happy because like, I hadn't seen this episode before. I haven't seen a lot of Supernatural episodes, I'm, <laughs> but at some point, like the costume does change up, but it was nice to see he had like a little beaded bracelet on cause you know, so slay, so cute. But if you, like, check the Supernatural Wikipedia, <laughs> like I do, I'm like, <laughs> a lot of them are, like, these charm bracelets that may have come from certain countries, or they're, like, prayer beads. So I like the idea that, unlike Sam, he likes having these things that maybe make him feel a little better. We never see him actually use them in the show when he has them. But, you know, he, he may have in, like, moments that we don't see they could have been, like, life-saving tools on a hunt or something, or he just feels better with them. I honestly think part of it comes down to, like, fashion as well. Like, because we know that, like, again, like, these boys, they travel hard. Like, I mentioned when we recorded 504 last week that it is literally the end of the the world. They're on a suicide mission against Lucifer, and yet Enverse Dean still found the time to gel his hair. Like, yes, it's TV. Yes, it's, like, whatever. He's but, me. like, also. He's for real. He's me. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, when I shaved my legs before I had to get my appendix out, for sure. <laughs> you know? I think I did curl my eyelashes Dedication. also. Yeah, it's just like, this just makes me feel better. Yeah, look, do it for I yourself. I don't know if it's like entrapment of feminism, but it still makes me feel better. I think it's also interesting looking at like just the difference between Sam and Dean on the points. And like, yeah, with the sleeves, it's like, it actually fits perfectly with the characterization that they've had up till this point, which is that like, Sam's goals never change, but he's a chaotic little bitch about it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, he will change his mind on a dime based on what's going to get him what he wants. And he likes being contrarian and he doesn't like being controlled and he doesn't which like Which is rules, so prominent this episode. Which is so prominent this episode. And it's like, it's just that thing of like, of course Sam would have just randomly shoved up his sleeves. Like the goal is care. to have the sleeves up. He doesn't care about <laughs> how he gets there. Whereas for Dean, half of it is about the process. Like Every single thing about, like, Dean is he thinks it out and he thinks it through. And, okay, yeah, he can be portrayed as, like, you know, the impulsive. impulsive one or whatever. But, like, every single one of his actions is almost compulsively overthought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, everything, like, if you look at every single move he makes in, like, his fight choreography and that, every single piece of that is, like, it's thought out. It's designed to do what he wants it to do. And it's also predicated based on years of training. Sam's like, I'm going to cut off this vampire's head with razor wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whereas, Sam's, whereas Sam's fighting style is much more improvisational. And it's like... To be fair, so the, Dean's yeah. also... Like, they're both improvising. They have to. But the way they improvise is very different. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if you guys fully delved into it, but there can be a lot said for how a lot of fans like to say how maybe Dean does overly focus or overthink about how he comes across in social situations, right? Oh, like, 100%. Yeah. Every time he flirts with a woman, is he genuinely interested? Is he just kind of doing that as like a knee-jerk response like he has to? Because Sam never feels the need to, you know, flirt with that. And, you know, and that's kind of tapered off. I think kind of at this point they have maybe, you could say, bigger problems to worry about. But <laughs> as we saw, he did have that card ready. He went to a kink Kinko's and he printed out a bunch of different fake business cards just in case, you know, and he had it ready. 
Okay. Oh, while we're talking about this, we also do have to talk about the line. One of the reasons I went with Ruby was to get away from you, which just like the fucking level of savagery in that fucking line. I literally, like, I wrote that down the line and then in all caps I wrote, that's the thing he's sensitive about. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to just trigger all of his abandonment issues. Like just literally. in one sentence, like all of them. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing about this episode too, is like Sam and Dean's dynamic. Which is like, it never ends. It never... There was a Cracked article I read, like, years ago. And I don't think I can find it again. But it was, like, certain types of doomed relationships. And they talk about, like, romantic relationships. But they were like, there's one where things are good 90% of the time. But to be in a functional, long-term relationship, you need things to be good, like, 95, 98% of the time. Otherwise, you end up like Sam and Dean in the first five minutes of Supernatural where they... (laughs) say things aren't working they have to split up and then you end up back together again like sam and dean 35 minutes into every episode of supernatural <laughs> and that's really what this episode felt like yeah i don't know what do we think about their dynamic in this episode like yeah sam maybe shouldn't have worded it in like the way that he did but like i don't know just like he i feel like he has a point when he's like the way that we work together didn't work I feel like the real issue, though, is Dean being like, this is going to be different. This is a fresh start. We are starting fresh. Mm-hmm. We have to start fresh for this to work. Which and is then, right. And he's 100% right. But then he proceeds to let nothing go and allow it to be a fresh start. He's like, yep, fresh start. And then he's like, I'm just going to be like a little bit petty and passive aggressive the entire time about how Sam started the apocalypse. Which mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. really just removes all of the blame from Ruby. But like Ruby's a bear. Like she <laughs> knew what she was doing. She is way smarter than the Winchesters and she played them to a fucking T. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to place all of the blame on Sam and just completely forget that there was a powerful woman who just completely manipulated him into doing everything they wanted. So I love that, wait, you're not mad? You're not mad about Dean, like, being kind of rude to Sam about, like, how much is his fault? You're mad that he's discrediting Ruby? 100%. I love that too. Like, they just completely erased how much Ruby did to get Sam to that place. She was out here getting this bitch addicted to demon blood, and they're just like, yeah, no, that didn't happen. It's all Sam's fault. Like, he chose It's a typical glass ceiling. You have to do twice as much to get half the recognition. Like, where's the credit for Lilith? (laughs) Lilith organized all of these seals to be fucking broken. She timed it perfectly. Yeah, like, she had it choreographed to the moment. She picked an outfit and everything. And then they were like, oh, well, Sam started the apocalypse. It's like, bitch, no, Lilith did that. I do want to know, does Sam know at this point that actually the angels are pretty well responsible for the apocalypse as well? Like, they totally could have stopped it if they wanted to, but they're like, hey, bitch, now we want it. Unless Dean has explained it to him off screen, I don't think so. Yeah, because that's, like, I was thinking, like, when I heard the, like, phone call with Bobby or whatever, where they were like, I thought he was talking about, like, fucking Zachariah or something. Like, when Dean's, when Dean's like, oh, yeah, well, they did start the apocalypse, I'm like, okay, well, Dean's finally going to spill the beans about how the angels were, like, totally gunning on the apocalypse the entire fucking time. So what he actually says is, well, we know whose fault that is. Yeah, and that's what I was like, they're... This bitch is going to be talking about the angels. Like, like, yeah, Zachariah. Zachariah, Again, erasing all the hard work these other people put into the apocalypse (laughs) and making it all about Sam. Like, I'm sorry, the whole world doesn't revolve around Sam. Just because Sam is Lucifer's blob, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) And also, again, we knew from, what is that, like the end of season two, even when like the yellow eyed demon was like, like my plan, blah, blah, blah. You know, this shit was orchestrated even before Sam 
could have had any choice in the matter when he was six months old. And Dean, right when was that, like early season four? I didn't watch this episode, but the one where they travel back in time and he sees that his mom made the deal and all that. So, like, Dean, again, should know that, like, a lot of this was out of their control. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And actually... Here's the thing about that, because Dean and Bobby have had a couple of interesting conversations, like, regarding their feelings about Sam in the last few episodes. Like, obviously, when Sam's, like, locked in the panic room in 421 and, like, a couple of other episodes. And basically, they're having this little powwow about, like, parenting strategies, basically. Because I think they're both vividly aware that Sam is not Dean's, like, brother in the sense. Dean is so much his parent that, like, he's not really his brother. Like, he is, but it's complicated. And, like, Bobby is so much their sort of pseudo-parent as well, like, so they're kind of relating to that as, like, Sam is sort of, like, they they do treat Sam like a kid. And Sam does make the point, like, you know, you have to let me grow up. And I think that's fair and valid. Mm -hmm. But I think that when Dean says, well, we know whose fault that is, for me personally, that doesn't feel like something that Dean and Bobby would say about Sam kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, for me, it just felt off. I was like, no, they've had this discussion. Like, they had this whole thing about, you know, we love that kid like he's my son and, like, we have to bring him back. And, like, for me, it didn't feel like a discussion that Bobby or Dean would have about Sam behind his back in any way that we haven't already seen. Like, when they were pissed. Mm -hmm. Even way back in season two, right, when Dean is, like, full on on his, like, John is the most important person to impress bullshit – Mm-hmm. Even then, John was like, you might have to kill Sam, right? And immediately, yeah. <laughs> Dean's like, no, it's not happening. No. Immediately. Yeah. I will save him or I will die trying. Like- yeah, exactly. And obviously, like, the stakes have gotten so much higher as the series has progressed. But yeah, I totally agree. Like, it just hurts and it just almost doesn't seem quite right that Dean would have this, like, bitterness or this sense of blaming Sam. And even at the end of the episode, he even apologizes to Sam. Like, you know, he maybe wasn't thinking about what he was saying. And he knows that he was in the wrong for doing that. I think it's, I mean, we were talking before about like Dean's characterization. I think it's really interesting because I think I kind of mentioned this before, but like they have, they get so much that feels right. And then they have a couple of things. I'm just like, that just doesn't, it just doesn't quite click. Like, even when Sam is being attacked by Gandhi and... Um, <laughs> Gandhi was an interesting choice for Sam as well. Yes. <laughs> Especially at this point of the season. I thought that was a Civ reference. There's um a video game called Civilization, but people call it Civ, and there's been a bunch of sequels. And there was this rumor, I found it didn't actually happen, but like the first Civilization game, there's like these different world leaders, including Gandhi, and they have like these different internal stats for their characters including like peacefulness right and so gandhi's was like or like violent tendencies i think or aggression and his was zero but then if you played the game a certain way then everyone's aggression in the game turned like negative two points and how the game was coded meant that gandhi went from having zero aggression to like 999 (laughs) aggression and he would beat the fuck out of people And so I was like, is that a Civ reference? It probably wasn't. It was probably just like, uh, it's ironic. But I was like, I see you old video game lore. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, so like Gandhi like has Sam in a chokehold, which first of all, the least believable chokehold I think I've ever seen on this show. But second of all, (laughs) then Sam is like, you know, get the object or whatever. And he's like, what? And Sam's like, the glasses. And I'm like, Dean was standing right fucking there when they were told that it's the glasses. Sam is literally being choked to death 
Dean should be the one to remember it's the motherfucking glasses. And it just feels like it's leaning into that whole, like, oh, Dean is, like, the dumb one. Or, like, even mm-hmm. in this episode, he tells Sam to, like, research the engine while he goes and, like, drinks or whatever. And Sam's like, that's a lot of research. I'm like, Sam has literally never once complained about research before. So yeah. it's it's just bizarre they have so many things where it feels like they're really leaning into these stereotypes that they've built for these characters while also ignoring the things they have built for these characters. It's just, it's yeah. for me. I was fascinated by like the sort of flip flop. So I decided I'm going to Google like who the writer of this episode was. And it is someone named Julie, Julie Siege. Siege. Her list of episodes is fascinating. So she, she wrote six episodes across seasons four and five. <laughs> four of which we have already seen, including this one, and then we've got two more upcoming. So obviously I don't have future knowledge, but the ones that she has written are It's the Great Pumpkin Sam Winchester, Chris Angel is a douchebag, and The Monster at the End of This Book. What? Wild record. Damn. Banger. Whack episode. Banger. So this is a whack episode. If we follow the pattern. (laughs) So you tell me the next episode that she wrote is Swap Me. That's a... I... I haven't seen that one, but I've heard it's not the best. <laughs> I was going to say, that one That one classifies as whack. <laughs> and then yeah. the final episode that she wrote for Supernatural was 99 Problems. Oh, wait, let me quickly look up the synopsis for that. But no, so I was like, I was fascinated. And then when I saw that she wrote The Monster at the End of This Book, I was like, wild. Like, that is, to go from The Monster at the End of This Book to this episode is like... I'm wondering if she co-wrote it. I feel like that's such a fascinating thing with Supernatural where it's definitely one of those shows where who's writing the episode you have to pay attention to. It's really going to feed into overall quality, how much you might personally enjoy it, the characterization vibes that you get. One of the things about Supernatural that baffles me is because I've never had a show where you have to pay attention to the writers. Yeah. If you don't pay attention to the writers, you can't keep track of like consistent characterization. So for 99 Problems, I, I that's actually where I got up to, like, I've rewatched a few, like, key episodes mm-hmm. in, like, the lead up. Funnily enough, like, this episode is one that I did skip, and I'm really mad that I did, and we will talk about why in a moment, but I also, I think I got halfway through that episode before I stopped, like, that's actually where I'm up to, so I don't remember how it ends. But that one is certainly, I wouldn't say it's a whack episode, but I also wouldn't say it's a banger. Like, it's fine. Some stuff happens. But also... In saying that, I haven't seen the second half of it <laughs> in probably, like, the better half of a decade. So, you know, I might I might backtrack on that when we get to the actual episode when we're recording it. But, yeah, so that's a wild track record. Yeah. Like, yeah. absolutely. Like, and I just, at this point, like, like, we have continuous theories based on specific writers and, like, just things that we've picked out that we consistently see in their writers. Most prominent is the Sarah Gamble long con. Are the theories that Jeremy Carver hates Sam? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Jeremy Carver hates Sam. If you get a Jeremy Carver episode, you can guarantee Sam is in the first five minutes and the last five minutes, and none of the rest of the episode. Or he's conveniently misplaced for most of the plot. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Really, it's really just like anytime I think of a Ben Edlin episode, I'm like, that's my favorite episode. Yeah, or I love that episode, or whatever. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, Ben, you put your entire bussy into this episode. I love it so much. Yeah, <laughs> like. Then you have Darb, who is like, every, we swear to God, every episode he flips a coin. And then who, whether it's heads or tails, he decides who, who's in character for that episode. Yeah, is it Sam, Sam or Dean? It's not both. Never. Yeah, I forget. I feel like he he was like a big writer or director on like, like a much larger and more important production than Supernatural recently. <laughs> and people were dunking on it. I need to figure out what it was. I'll have to check IMDb. 
but it was so funny because people were like, who the fuck directed this or had a creative like hand in this? And it was like, Andrew Dabb. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> that man's got a reputation. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's honestly incredible. Like, how do you miss the mark and then just keep going? Oh, the Resident Evil series. Oh, yeah. Yes. He was a, a creator, writer, an executive producer. And I'm not going to say it's like all his fault. All Resident Evil adaptations have been like not great, um, unless it's like maybe an animated film. But it's so funny just how bad it was. And then for Resident Evil fans to be like, who the fuck is Andrew Dabb? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> like boy do I have a story <laughs> for you <laughs> it is fascinating to look at like what projects like especially the writers and showrunners actors a little bit but to a lesser extent but like to just look at what the people who worked on the show went and worked on next like it is fascinating to me that Sarah Gamble went from this and then she did you makes sense makes sense to <laughs> it's me. like a hundred percent yeah it's wild I, Sarah's like welcome to my dark and twisted mind you know <laughs> <laughs> This is this is a real genuine Sarah Gamble who's not constrained by the shackles of air crypt. Coming back to this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah, eventually <laughs> we had to get back here. I do want to like make a note. This is not like the first episode that they have done this and like while we're talking about the writers it feels like a good place to sort of pop it in. But something the supernatural tends to do especially as we get into like later later seasons and like the overall like overarching plot stakes get higher and higher and higher they do this thing where they open the episode and in the first five minutes of the episode like after the cold open sam and dean are having an obligatory argument mm -hmm. about how they need to take a break from the big overarching plot we need to how long has it been since we did a simple black and white case let's get back to our roots and it's they take turns well it's been since four or five months maybe since they did a simple black and white case haha <laughs> <laughs> hilarious um, but like <laughs> Basically, it's like they flip a coin as to who's arguing that they should take a break from the overarching plot. And then at the end of the episode, they have an obligatory, like, well, now we have to go back to the main plot thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Basically, if you see that at the start of the episode, you're like, oh, this will be filler. Mm -hmm. And basically nothing of note <laughs> will happen. It might be, there might be character stuff. It might be like a more fun episode. Nothing actual plot related is going to happen. It is just a filler. And this is probably the most glaring example we've had of it thus far. And so I just wanted to point it out because this is going to become a staple, especially the later seasons of the show. While we're talking about glaring yeah. examples, I feel like <laughs> they were really super duper proud of the special effects they did with the car, where he's like, I showed it like a thousand times. <laughs> we need six camera angles on this. Like, we need to show it from every angle so that we can prove that we did this thing. And, like, not gonna lie, the, the, the like, effect wasn't too bad. But I was, I, like, pretty good. I was like, why do we need six different angle shots of it? Like, And then we come back to pictures of it, like, four times throughout the episode. Yeah. Like, I know, like, who did this? Tom Savini? Like, it's okay. <laughs> I did like the effect, but I've just been watching a bunch of slasher movies, like, for the last three months. So I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> I thought that the effect of like the face like half smashed through the car like windshield was like quite good mm. but the my favorite part about it was actually when they did that shot of like the blood running down the bonnet of the car yeah. like I actually really liked that I was like I don't mm. know it's a bit cheesy but I think it looked really good but yeah I was just I was baffled by like the eight different camera angles we got in that shot well they realized that they blew all of their money on first Paris Hilton and then the makeup and S was it like special effects artists who did that because then they couldn't show the second victim who was killed by Abe Lincoln, I believe. We just had to take their word for it. <laughs> That's um, sending me back to Shadow. 
Mm, yeah, when it's like, just like they lit this one scene and now we can't light the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about this episode that was like kind of horror movie-esque, like trophy, was at the very start, again in that discussion that like, they're having about like, oh, let's just do a good old-fashioned case. The way that Dean phrased it, I think he said, like, it'll be a fresh start. And I was like, this is literally the opening to a horror movie where, like, the family has gone through some trauma. They're like, let's move to the country. What could possibly oh go wrong? So true. And it was so funny. I was like, this is... Which is hilarious because we've already had that episode. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Like, that was the entire fucking plot of Family, family remains. remains. Sorry, Jen, what were you going to say? Actually, no, I haven't even watched that, but... <laughs> you can take our word for it. You don't have to watch that one. <laughs> No, well, I'll probably have to because I had polled people on like what their scariest supernatural episode was, and it was the the benders in that one. Like they came out as like one and two. That's interesting. Because they're all just mm-hmm. the. It's actually a human episode. Sorry, not to ruin the plot for you, but <laughs> no, I mean I knew that was the plot, but yeah. Fascinating that they're like the scariest episodes are the ones where it's an actual human. Okay, to be fair, right? What's more like the for you know, God forbid it ever happens to anyone, but. Like, what's more likely, you get attacked by a vampire or there's a home invasion? Yeah, exactly. Like, that is why it's more scary. Yeah. What's or something scarier? like that. Murderous children living in the walls. <laughs> I mean, you do occasionally hear about, like, people who've been, like, secretly hiding in someone else's house and stuff. Like, that's my secret worst fear. <laughs> it's like someone, whether or not they're, like, violent or anything. You really won't like family remains. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah, so true that you point out that, like, this episode, for better or for worse, it does have Ferris Hilton, but it it does kind of highlight the nature of a lot of those filler ep- episodes in Supernatural. And some of them are very fun, very cool. Like, I really like Monster Movie. Like, part of it is, like, it had a gimmick. It was black and white. That was very fun. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love a good filler episode. Every filler episode is notable for, like, one fact. So this episode is notable because it's the filler episode with Paris Hilton. You know, you have Monster Movie, which is the filler episode that's notable because it's all in black and white. You have Bugs is notable because it's the one, like, it's a filler episode that's just so bad. <laughs> They're like, we're really going to lock our actors in our house with a bunch of bugs. And be racist about it. And, and also yeah, be Yeah, Native about American it. undertones. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, Route 666, which is a, a filler episode, but it's notable because it's the one with the racist monster truck. Yeah. All of them have, like, okay, well, it's a filler episode, but we remember it because of this thing. And, like, this one's thing was just, like, it had Paracelton. It sure did. I think I'm going to segue into my PSA. So, Beth, Jen, what do you think my PSA of the week is going to be? I was just thinking, because so many of it, like, in Paris Hilton as, like, the god or the villain was talking about, you know, like, back in the day you had, like, actual religion, and now you just have celebrities who are known for being rich, and they're not that important. So I feel like it would be, be careful of developing parasocial relationships that can get you into trouble. Do you know what? I have a very similar guess. My guess was, like, just that sort of, like, idiom of, like, never meet your heroes, which is, like just a very common phrase but I was like well in this instance it could be life-saving so that was mine but I have like a secondary Mm. guess which is that if if you have the opportunity to like learn a second language you should take it it comes in handy in this episode with Sam's Spanish we later learned that Sam took ASL which like weird that Sam has like taken so many like addendum language courses like I don't know that's just like a fun thing for his character from what I know of law like law courses at university law courses at university leave you no time for literally anything else well I think he said well, he was pre-law 
which wasn't even a major at Stanford at the time anyway, so, you know. <laughs> Fun fact. Just from scouring the Supernatural Wikipedia page. <laughs> You've got to make up for not watching the episode somehow, like... <laughs> exactly. One thing, though, before you reveal what the PSA is, is I'm still continuously shocked that they don't... I mean, it's probably for the best because they would probably not do a great job, but they don't have more Hispanic characters or Spanish speakers in general because America has so many Spanish speakers. Are you telling me that there's, like, no monsters in, like, Arizona, New Mexico, South Texas, Miami, many other places where a lot of Hispanic people live in the U.S.? My only note on that is, like, yes, they absolutely should have included more diversity in, like, every single sense, but especially that because of, like, the location, it makes sense. But also, I'm kind of glad they didn't because I feel like they would have handled it abhorrently. So true. <laughs> so it's, like, two sides of the two sides of the coin. I'm like, we lost, but, like, we could have lost even more. So we could have had a Route 666, like, every single season. Yeah, we could have had bugs every season. Like, oh, God. It's bad that they didn't do that. Like, that is a problem in and of itself. But I think if they had tried to do that, it would have been even worse. So it's it's a lose-lose situation, honestly. And I do agree. But it's so funny that we say that because we're just saying that with the addendum of like, yeah, of course they wouldn't hire writers of color. That wouldn't happen. Because like, in reality, like, you could you could find a way to write that in a culturally sensitive way that resonates. They 100% could have done it and they could have done it well. The issue is we do not have the faith in them yeah. to have had done it well yeah. if they, they decided to do it. They could have done it well. We just don't believe they would have. Like, that's... The and thing. I don't think they would have either, <laughs> to be fair. Okay, lovely. My PSA for the day is something that I was really panicking because Beth brought it up earlier, and that is skinny does not equal beautiful and beautiful mm. does not equal skinny. Yeah. And honestly, you know, beauty shouldn't be used as a standard to value your own worth or where you fit in society anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. I don't think we really need to elaborate on yeah. that. I think it stands for itself. Because yeah, that one scene, they're just very much in this sort of, oh my God, she looks so pretty because she's so skinny. Skinny and fast. <laughs> yeah, skinny and fast. But like, what's interesting about that as well is like, we were talking about like, you know, celebrity idols and stuff. And it's fascinating to me that that was the thing they idolized about her and mm -hmm. I think that that's like I mean we can talk for hours and hours about like the impact of celebrities and like influences on like diet and like cultures and beauty standards and stuff but like it is interesting that of everything they could have talked about as to why they admired this woman they literally reduced her to skinny like I think that that is a really interesting commentary. I don't think they meant for it to be an interesting commentary, but it kind of just could have ended up being that. It's the same thing that always happens with supernatural writers. They're like, "Oopsie doopsies, we did something interesting." <laughs> Didn't intend to, but you know, it happened anyway. So what was it like last year? I want to say I finally got around to finishing Neil Gaiman's American Gods, which is significant because Eric Kripke has officially stated that was one of the inspirations behind Supernatural. Oh, cool. I See, because I'm, I was going into season five thinking maybe he's also taking inspiration for another, from another Neil Gaiman work, specifically Good Omen. Yes, that was another one he cited and most likely is one of the reasons why we have, you know, certain characters named certain characters, you know. But the whole premise of the book, it's kind of like a tulpa. It's kind of like what this is where you know, people had these old gods in Europe and Africa, Asia, but then as people immigrated over to the U.S., they kind of lose this old religion. And there are these versions of these gods that, you know, exist in America, but 
they're kind of losing their power as less and less people believe in and worship them. And these new gods of like technology and consumerism are taking their place. But even they have issues because there's an even sort of like older power that exists that's like America is not made for gods. Gods can't survive here, which is like very fascinating. So I, I'm always like fine tuned to the episodes where you get that sort of vibe. So when Paris Hilton is kind of talking about, you know, how the times have changed and this god has to adapt, I'm like, ooh, very Neil Gaiman. And also the House of Wax reference. So maybe one day I'll watch that because I believe Paris Hilton and Jared Padalecki were co-stars for the remake. <laughs> It's all that massive domino meme. It's like <laughs> fucking like CW Supernatural and then this other thing is like all the way down it's, the other end. I it's like, you know, know, the founding of AO3, Omegaverse, fucking Jared Padalecki and Paris Hilton starring and you can like link. Like, you know that meme where it's like, what happened if you, ju- what would happen if you just called Taylor up? Do you think Jared Padalecki had Paris's <laughs> number? It's like, hey, we have an idea, Jared. Come on through, Jared. Come on. We know you have it saved. The amount of random crap, it's so frustrating. I literally had someone ask me once, like, oh, did you ever hear about that writer's strike in, like, 2000? And I was like, I know so much about the writer's strike. You have no idea. It's, like, the most bizarre, inane things that people will just talk about. And my immediate first thought is how I can tie it back to Supernatural. It's actually a problem. Like One day we've got to make a special bonus episode that's literally just the game show of, like, I have a list of topics. And I go, Beth, how can you tie this back to Supernatural? I do you have to explain the thought process of how it links into Supernatural? Genuinely, I would adore that. That sounds so fun. It's like that Wikipedia game where it's like you start on like a page yeah. for something and you have to find a way to link it to another thing in like the shortest amount of time possible. But it's just me linking things to Supernatural. You're going to look like that It's Always Sunny screen cap of the dude who's like Frank yes. or whatever with like the, you know, crazy eyes. That's going to be you guys. Quite genuinely. That's how it feels running this podcast most of the time. <laughs> I had a couple of quick notes that I wanted to make before we do our wrap up. First of all, I wanted to quickly point out that the police work in this episode is literally straight out of a true crime podcast. Like, I swear mm-hmm. to God, 99% of unsolved cases, it's literally just like, I don't know, the police didn't know what they were doing. So I guess we mm-hmm. let the person get away. And I was like, that feels like this exact episode. Yep. But the other thing I wanted to mention is the moment when Dean finds the still of James Dean in the like reflection in the footage and he goes, am I crazy or does that look like James Dean? And Sam's like, oh yeah, that looks like James Dean. I'm like, no, you're crazy. That looks like a red blur. That oh doesn't look like a person. Yeah, that looks like a James Dean stan. And actually, <laughs> I think the reason why Dean was like not paying attention about Gandhi's glasses being a weakness was probably because he was still fantasizing about James Dean. <laughs> 100%. I think that was everything that I wanted to mention about the actual episode itself. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that this episode was a whopping two minutes shorter than normal episodes. You know why? Because they devoted so much to the soon. <laughs> because we had a soon section. Did you watch the soon section? Yeah. Did you guys get, because I feel like that isn't always a thing on episodes. Like I've seen some season five episodes and I was like, why is there a TikTok edit of, of, of you know, like I believe children <laughs> are our future. They don't even do it every season. I think mm-hmm. the last season the last we got it was, was in mid-season two. Yes. So last the one of, the, this is the second one. The first one was mid-season two. This is the second one we've got. Occasionally, randomly, before mid-season or around mid-season, sort of in that sort of section of that. I'm assuming if they're having bad episode ratings and they want to spice it up a little, they threw one of these in. <laughs> and they they show us some things. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely it. sure of what I'm seeing. Good. Much like the first, like the first one that we got, it's just a whole bunch of random scenes chopped together in a random order. I'm assuming it's probably the next like three or four or five episodes. I was pissed because I watched this episode after Jamie and I was like, if I had known, I would have just said, stop watching. <laughs> because they yeah. fully detail like three different episodes, like almost in their entirety. So it was wild and I'm mad. Uh <laughs> Luckily I watched it while it was late and I've got the memory of a goldfish. Thank fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely like a TV, like spin-off sitcom-y like episode coming up because that was definitely something that I Oh saw. yeah. I totally forgot it showed that one. Pretty sure I've seen that set. Like I've seen still images of that set yeah. thrown around before. Like that's something that I'm recognizing from my glory days on 2012 Tumbo where I was trying to avoid Supernatural on the Supernatural Held site and it did not work. There's a lot of stuff there. I'm I'm not sure what any of it means. I'm sure I'll find out. But it was just as chaotically and badly edited as the first one. Yeah, it's like, what did you say before, Jen? Looks like a TikTok edit. Like, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, someone, some interns, like, opens CapCut. They're like, all right, let me just get this shit in here. <laughs> export it as quickly as possible. I understand trying to, like, give, like, a montage of, like, like notable moments to look forward to coming up. But it doesn't feel like they've actually curated it. They were just like, oh, well, this is kind of a funny scene. Like, let's just throw it in there. Even movie trailers, like, professionally edited film trailers where it's like they either spoil stuff or they put some of the best stuff in there that it's like yeah you might want to show it off but then when you actually go watch it it's not it doesn't pack a punch well i'm glad that you didn't retain any of it because i was mad i was like we've tried so hard to keep you spoiler free if you get spoiled by the motherfucking canon show i'm gonna be pissed. it's allowed because <laughs> it is part of the canon show if it wasn't part of the canon show then it wouldn't be attached to the actual episode on the legitimate and legal streaming service that I watched this on. Which sounds like I, I secretly pirate it, but I don't. I like genuinely pay for a TV show service and it is on there. I can't wait until they take Supernatural off of Netflix so that I can cancel my Netflix subscription <laughs> and then torrent it like it should be. <laughs> so, Jamie and Jen, if you want to chuck it in there as well, you're more than welcome. How would you rate this week's episode out of five? I think I'm going to give it like a three and a half. I think the episode... Really? I think the episode itself is worth a three, but Paris Hilton is fucking iconic and I love her. <laughs> like unironically, like I was having a ball. I was like, fucking Paris Hilton is here. She is like living her best life. I'm like, yeah. Your ratings baffle me. I was expecting you to be way harsher than that. Like I'm not mad. I'm just like, I'm it just was surprised. fine. It felt like a filler episode, but that's okay because Paris Hilton was there. Like I am just, I'm not a Paris Hilton stat. I want to put that out. I was just going to say. Like, <laughs> But I do have a solid respect for, like, everything she's done and everything she's built. So, like, it's very fun for me to see, like, this is peak fame, but also, like, a lot of people fucking hated Paris Hilton. Like, she was the butt of a lot of jokes, but she's, like, out here living her best life, and I love that for her. So true. I love that. I'm probably a lot harsher ever since I got that Letterboxd account, you know, on, like, one star. No, but I'm probably going to give it two stars just because, like, some Monster of the Week episodes... I think do like an absolutely fantastic job, even if they're filler and nothing significant happens. But between like the John thing and like Sam and Dean having kind of, you know, like an argument that doesn't seem like it quite fits for me, it just, it just kind of points to like the things that recur throughout the series that annoy me and irritate me and other synonyms. <laughs> so I might actually raise it to two and a half stars. So because you're right, 
Paris Hilton was just such a fun choice. I'm so glad that she was there. And she really did kill it, I think. So two and a half for Paris. The next episode is called I Believe the Children Are the Future. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, dreams, predictions? Okay, so it's clearly going to be something about kids. Because mm-hmm. why the fuck name it that otherwise? I think maybe it's based around like children's stories of some sort. Like, you know, like the big bad wolf or something like that. Oh, kind of like bedtime stories? Like, yeah. Kind of like bedtime stories, but hopefully better than bedtime stories because that was shit <laughs> show. That was <laughs> that was a bad one. <laughs> that was that was similar level of quality to this, except for it didn't have the redeeming factor of a fun celebrity cameo. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was largely more problematic. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, I think it's going to be something like along bedtime stories, or even like some sort of fairy tale character or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's like sort of targeting children. Or even maybe something along the lines of, like, everybody loves a clown, but not clowns. <laughs> next question is, do you think Cats will be in next week's episode? No. I don't think you will. Like, it doesn't sound like an episode title that needs Cats. Okay. That's Though fine. I would argue every episode needs Cats. But yeah, like, also, so true. Every episode I can needs agree better with, with Cats. Yeah, <laughs> but they also only have Michelle Collins for so many episodes. Let's be real. If Jamie had seen the show in its entirety, our show would be a lot more like the Cats cast. Which is literally just the episodes with Cass. <laughs> I will say now, the like the series rewrite was like, Cass is in seasons one, two, and three, because I love those seasons. What could have made them better? Cass. Cass, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> He's missing from the prequel too right now, and uh, if they brought him in, I do think it would be even better. And you could put him in like a new vessel, and that would be kind of fun. We had a joke about they could put him in, like, they could still have Misha play him and just make it, like, Jimmy Novak Sr., like Jimmy's grandpa or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I just had a curse thought, but I want to share it now. Imagine if they put him in a vessel who has chemistry with John. I I mean, you. we, like, John and, <laughs> John and the Yellow Eyed Demon had to have kissed, right, for that demon deal, so I think they kissed. I think they had to touch lips. That's the only demon deal we've ever seen that doesn't require them to make out. It's the only way we've seen. Is John Winchester so repulsive to the demons there as Azel was like, I'm not fucking making out with him? I just, I do you know what's so funny is you're right, but I don't think we even talked about that in our episode and I've never considered it. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, that's why they didn't show it. That's why they didn't, they couldn't show the entire thing because it would have just been two old men kissing. Like, is the John Azazel demon deal the only demon deal we've ever had that doesn't require, like, a kiss or something sexual in nature to complete? And is that because John is so repulsive to Azazel that he's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that? Like, I can't say it because this comes later, but there is, like, another demon deal with the character that we know, and you're like, okay, but did they kiss? And And they did. the answer will be revealed (laughs) in time. You know, there might be some other deals where maybe they did it, but... From my very, very limited knowledge, they kiss every time. Now I am furious that we were robbed of a John Azazel kissing moment because that- So what's their <laughs> show name? Azazel? Azazel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do see like joke posts on my Tumblr feed sometimes with those two and I'm like, yeah, sure. That's so funny. See, except for here's the thing. I think John Azazel fundamentally wouldn't work just because John is really? such- John is such a bad father and Azazel such a good father in comparison. Like, I think that's the problem. Azazel was like, I'm really going to kill Mary to be with you, John. And John was like, it would never work. I'm too toxic for you. (laughs) 
Okay, here's the thing though. When Bobby was a good father, John was like, yeah, I'm not going to have that shit around my children. And he like, he was like, yeah, no, I'm noping out. I know it was a romantic. But like also, like he was like, yeah, I can't deal with Bobby because Bobby's a better father than I am. And he was like, noping out of there. Okay. Well, this is not where I expected this episode to end up, but I'm not mad about it. I'm just confused. There you go. What's <laughs> up with your favorite Jazazel fanfic, I guess? <laughs> oh, even the ship name just does not sound good. But you know what the amazing thing about Supernatural is? Is that there are definitively worse ships out there. <laughs> I, I know we're going with Jazazel, but also Johnzel is <laughs> Jello eyes. <laughs> You would probably say that like what, like Jed, J Y E D. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I love this fandom. <laughs> I love this show. <laughs> I love the sandbox that it provides. So it's thoughts like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you wanted to hear more from Jen or read Jen's free write fic, all of the links will be in the description below. If you wanted to get in touch with any of us, you can always find us on any of our socials. Again, links below. And some fun topics for conversation could include, apparently, Jazazel and why they wouldn't have worked out. <laughs> I think I can make it work. I think, <laughs> I think there's still time that <laughs> I can sneak into the rewrite. They're both dead at this oh, point. Oh god, but... please. <laughs> Season three wish list. <laughs> that needs to go into Winchester's bingo card. <laughs> I think it'd be really funny if they put Azazel in like a hot female vessel to be weirdly sexual with John. Oh, or had him possess Mary. I think that yes. could be, that would do something to John's brain. <laughs> yeah. That might inform later decisions. But anyway, other fun topics of conversation. <laughs> Do you also believe that Ruby is robbed in this episode of the credit she deserves for starting the apocalypse? They for really sure. are just like, we're going to dismiss female characters' achievements. And I think that's Yeah, really what good. happened to I support women's rights and women's wrongs, Sam? Exactly. Like, and Dean. <laughs> if anyone listening to this podcast has learned anything about me, it's that I love villainous women. Like, they are by and large, primarily, my favorite type of characters. Anyway, thank you everyone so much for listening. Hopefully we have you back next week for Season 5, Episode 6, I Believe the Children Are the Future. Bye! 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 <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Just Basil is not where I expected that to go. I could not have predicted that in my wildest fucking dreams. <laughs> <laughs>